0: So we're in a new series called Real Marriage. And we're going to be talking, anybody can guess what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks? Yeah, yeah. Now here's the deal. If you're here and you go, but I'm not married, this is super important for you um, because chances are you will be, like nine out of ten Americans get married. That's That's how prevalent it is. And so you're going to need this. But not only that, even if you're not married, we're going to be talking about relationships. And if you're interested at all in having relationships that are healthy and that are strong and that are long-lasting, you want to pay attention to what we'll be discussing here today. Um, Today we're going to just set up the series, and my prayer is that you would... um, that you would receive what God would speak to us. I think it's going to be very important for all of us. So, um, we're going to be in the book of uh, Hosea, chapter 3. And you can just kind of put your finger there for a second. Now, this is, right, I know you did your devotions in the book of Hosea, this morning, so you're all familiar with uh, Hosea. I know um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, verse six, Samuel, verse six, Kings, 1st, 2nd, Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs. Uh, uh, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Uh, some of the something. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, then Hosea. Okay. I think I got that mostly right, mostly. Um, so, yeah, um, so, so that's where you find the book. <laughs> um, let me tell you. I feel very uh, passionate about this particular series. Because I, I got together with my wife when I was very young, 17. We're statistically a miracle. At 17, um, I got together with uh, my wife. And if that wasn't like, hey, you're not supposed to get married at a, that young age. I had a kid by the time I was 18. And kids add a complexity, uh, a dynamic to the relationship. And if that wasn't bad enough, when I met my wife, I was 30 days clean or sober, as someone you would, uh, some of you would call it. And so I had lived a life of debauchery and sin, and I thought that my wife would fix me. She would fix my loneliness, and she would fix my pain. I I thought that my wife was the one who's going to take care of all the broken things inside of me. But you know what happens when one broken person meets another broken person? You know that that equation never equals healthy, right? One broken person plus one broken person doesn't equal a healthy person. One broken person plus another broken person equals real complex brokenness. And so I was angry at her for a long time for not healing my brokenness. In essence, I was looking for her to be my savior She was to save me from all the hurts, from all the doubts, from all the insecurities, from all the fears. She was supposed to save me. And when she didn't, when she didn't, I got angry with her. Here's a rule of life. That if you make someone into a god, you eventually treat them like a devil when they don't meet your needs. Those that you deify, you eventually vilify. That's the way life is. And so I found myself in that position. And so 91, 92, we met in 91, 92, 93, 94, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99, 2000. 2001, 2002, 2003, 2004, 2005 were like scarring and painful. So much pain that we brought into each other's lives. The only reason we stayed together from my perspective is that I was determined that I wasn't going to be like my dad. That I wasn't going to leave, you know, like everything bad happened to me after my dad left. So at 11 years old, my father left. It's no wonder that I started smoking cigarettes, drinking, smoking weed, doing coke. Dads are important, right? That all happened right after my dad left. So I just said, I'm not going to be like my dad. But I had a reservation in my mind that once my son was 18, that, that I would leave once he came of age. And so had my son, but and then we had my daughter Serenity seven years later. And then two years after that we had uh, Grace, and then two years after that we had Lydia. And I was like, wow, this is getting longer and longer. This is going to take a long time. So I better start working on this. I better start addressing some of the issues of my heart because my the little hatch, the little escape hatch that I had prepared for myself wasn't it didn't look, it just looked too far away. And so I was broken. My wife was really broken. I can only tell you about my brokenness. If she wants to tell you about her brokenness, she can. But I can tell you, I was angry. I was violent. I am every type of bad husband that you can possibly imagine. I'm physically violent. I'm verbally abusive. I'm, I'm awful in every way. And so I thought that if I could just fix her, because I couldn't see how horrible I was and what the gospel needed to do in my heart, I couldn't see it. Then in 2000, I got into ministry. I mean, I started to pastor people. And our relationship was still felt like a nightmare. I mean, how do you pastor? How do you counsel? I remember I would counsel people and their marriages would get so much better. And I would look at my own marriage and just be devastated by it. Why am I telling you all this? It's a lot of confession. I'm telling you this because I'm, telling, I'm sharing this series, not because I have a perfect life and a perfect marriage and you should catch up. I'm telling you this because I'm one broken person, one broken husband, one broken spouse, telling other broken spouses where the healing's at. But more importantly than I can identify with your brokenness, if you've been in arguments, I remember, oh man, it just, it was so bad. It was so bad. There was so much pain involved. But if it's a comfort that you're not alone, that I can identify with you, where we're going today is gonna be a real comfort. Because that's just not my testimony. Evidently, it's God's testimony. Did you know that God has a spouse who breaks his heart? Yeah. That many times in the Bible, the, the Bible tries to get at the ways that God is relating to us. That way that God interacts with us. So the Bible will call God what? A mother, will call God a father. Because it's trying to get at how God relates to us—a king, and other things like lots and lots and lots. Of, I mean, good night, like a like a hen, you know, like a lion, like you know. It, it, the Bible tells us many ways in which God relates to us, but none of them, I think, are as important. I mean, they're all super important because they tell us a little bit more about who God is. But this one is incredible. Because there's no relationship like the marriage relationship. The marriage, listen, if you have a parental relationship and that's a good relationship, you'll thank God for that for the rest of your life. If you'll have a a parental relationship and it's a bad relationship, it does have its effects, but you can eventually leave it. If you have a child, a relationship with your child, that's painful if it's going wrong. If you have a relationship with your friend that's going wrong, that's painful. But I'm telling you, when you have a relationship with your spouse and that's not going well, it's torture. There's very, I mean, there's very little uh, relationships in the world. Like the relationship that you have with a spouse. And then there's another thing. You can't fake who you are in a married situation, can you? I mean, this is who you are. Like, if, you know, my wife, let me tell you something. My wife knows me better than anybody else in the world. She knows me better probably than I know myself. The blind spots that I have are not blind to my wife. You understand that, right? Like, the things that I can't see about me, she sees with all too much clarity. It's it's, it's the degree, right? And so it's interesting, right? Because when we get married, we'll, we'll be married for six, seven, eight, nine years, and we'll say to our spouse, you're not the person I thought you were. And my, my response, if I ever hear that, is just wait another five or six years. They won't be the person you think they are now. It's just because we're evolving, we're growing, we're learning about each other. And so God says that in this most intimate relationship, I'm like that, marriage. Now, we're setting up this series, so I want you to stay with me. We go to the book of Hosea. The book of Hosea is one of the most dramatic books in all of the Bible. Let me give you the background. God goes to Hosea, and he tells Hosea, here's the deal. I want you to... And you're not going to believe this. Honestly, this is going to go... Some of us don't even have a compartment in our mind to put this idea. God goes to a prophet. What's a prophet? A prophet is a person who hears from God and tells others about God. God tells this prophet, I want you to do something. Sure, God, anything. His name is Hosea. He goes... I want you to marry that girl. And Jose is like, awesome, that's easy. I'll marry her, no problem. She looks like a delightful person. I'll be happy to marry her. Oh, by the way, Hosea her, Gomer, that's her name. Um, she's going to break your heart in ways that you can't even imagine. God calls her. She's going she's to be a prostitute. You're going to marry a harlot. God, ¿Qué tú estás pensando? (laughs) What are you thinking? God goes, listen, listen, listen. I need you to tell the story. I need you to wake the people up. You are a prophet of God and you don't understand my deep love relationship with my people you don't communicate my deep love for my people and these people don't understand they think that when they break when they break one of my laws they're breaking one of my rules what they don't understand is when they break one of my laws they're breaking my heart you think that you're in a relationship and it's right it's clear the bible speaks about it you think that you're in a servant king relationship and that's true But you're also, beloved, as a community, we are in a relationship with God, like a lover, like a spouse. And so we're not going to be able to understand all the reasons why God did that. But I'm telling you, God is making a point here, and he's using Hosea's life. To do it. Now, when I first read the book, reading the first chapter, I literally, literally, literally remember me and my wife were having tension. In my mind's eye, I could see where I was. I was in 215 Java Street, the little little corner that we had there that I called my office. And I remember reading the book of Hosea. And as I was reading, I remember running in place. Like, I couldn't sit down reading the book. Because if you read it, you understand. Like, you know, she, she comes back to Hosea. She's every bit of the harlot that God promises that she'll be. And then she comes back to Hosea. And this is the part where I had to get up. And I was like, oh, God, kill her. Kill her. Strike her now. It was bad. She goes back to Hosea. Think about this. Think about this. What husband wants to hear this from his wife? She goes back to Hosea and she says, you don't satisfy me. I want to go to my other lovers who fulfill me. Okay, wives, just a quick deal. Don't ever say that to your husbands, right? That's like a real important thing. But here's the piece they're illustrating something. And if you think it's offensive when Gomer goes to Hosea and says, You don't satisfy me. I have other lovers that fulfill me, that satisfy me, that bring me more joy than you. I am removing myself. I am divorcing myself. I am ripping myself from our relationship to go to that relationship. If you think that's offensive, could you imagine how offensive it is when you choose sin over Jesus? It's like going to God. You don't satisfy me. I have a lover that does. And then we run to, what is it? What do we run to? Pornography? Overeating? What do we run to? Cigarettes? We run to, like, right? What, what do we run to? And so, so God is trying to make a point. Hosea marries her just like he says. She cheats on him. In fact, Hosea, Literally, she starts cheating on him almost immediately. That by the time they have their third child, you know what Hosea um, names him? His name is translated, "Not Mine." Wow. Wow. It's heart-wrenching. And so Hosea is, you can imagine, in chapter two, freaking out. He literally, I mean, he prays prayers that you and I would pray if our spouse was doing this. Hosea starts praying prayers, like, because the Bible is not some book. This is the reason why I think the Bible is true. Honestly, some of us don't think that the Bible is true. This is the reason why I think the Bible is true. Because the Bible has stuff that I just wouldn't have put down. Like, if I was writing a book to manipulate people to to do God's will, I'd, I'd have not written down some of the stuff that Hosea wrote down. Here's some of the stuff that Hosea, Hosea says, may she May she be buried in a desert. May her, uh, may she shrivel up. May she die. uh, May, like, he starts praying the kind of curses on on his wife, Gomer, that you and I would pray if we were being played like this. And you and I completely understand. That is an appropriate response to the type of deception, to the type of pain, to the type of harm and hurt that a spouse gives you. I tell you, I don't condone or, and I don't agree with spouses who eventually, you, you, you know like a crimes of passion? You know where a woman comes home? And she finds her husband you know, with the secretary or something like that and then she like, shoots him or something or runs him over with a car. I don't agree with that, all of that stuff. But I totally understand the emotion. I get it. And you get it too. And God is saying that's what my love is like. And that's what you're in relationship with me is like. You think our relationship is good because I keep on pursuing you. I'm telling you, God is saying he's in a bad marriage. And you're his spouse. And it's at that point when God should be striking dead his people, when Hosea should be divorcing... When Hosea should be cursing his wife. It's at that point that we get to chapter 3. And we see God's instruction to Hosea. Hosea chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Let's look at it together. Would you stand at the reading of God's word? This is a tradition that we do. Um, It just reminds us. So Hosea is writing this, and so he says, The Lord said to me, Go, show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Pause. (sighs) Love her. As the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethek of barley. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man. And I will behave the same way toward you. For the Israelites will live many days without a king or a prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the Israelites will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessings in the last days. This is God's word. Let's look at it. Then the Lord said to me, Go! Show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man. Now, here's the deal. What's happening is that she's, um, she either, she's a sex addict. It's obvious that she's a sex addict. She jumps from person to person, and it seems from the text, it looks like she's either a temple prostitute or owned by somebody. In other words, she's being pimped out. At this point, she has a pimp, and he's And she's got, listen, he's gotten as much mileage out of his girl that he's going to get. She's been not only sleeping with him, but she's been sleeping with everyone. It's at that point that God tells Hosea, go. Love her. How? As the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. Here um, we see that God is likening the adulterous affair between Gomer and Hosea to his affair with his people, or to his people's affair with him. If your heart is broken, if you would be devastated that someone who you would want to marry would do this to you, then you have a good idea about what God feels every time you and I run from him. Every time we go in our marriages, we say that's it, I'm not taking it anymore or whatever. And by the way, let me just say this. Um, in the recovery house of worship, I'm not speaking about no other churches, I'm speaking about this one. In the recovery house of worship, we have, we have some of us who grew up in really broken places. And so you're so needy and you're so uh, broken. Broken. You're like me, you're broken. You're so needy and you're so broken that you could be physically being beaten by your husband. And you go, you see, the pastor says you got to stick it out. You won't hear anything I say today. You're just looking for ways to manipulate whatever I say so that you can. Some of you are so broken that you're the abuser and you're going to browbeat, you're going to send this message to your spouse or, your, or your, you know, the person that you're living with. And you're going to go, you see, the pastor says you've got to forgive. You see, the pastor says you've got to do this. In other words, you're going to manipulate God's word to do your will. And you're acting like a devil. That is not at all what I'm saying. You'll see it more clearly. But I, I learned a long time ago that I can't fix crazy. And so if you want to act crazy, you're missing the point. The point isn't today. The point isn't, oh, you see, God shares his relationship like a a, a husband, a bridegroom to his bride. And so we should be like God. God is our example, and we should just try hard to do better, forgive. That's not the point today. The point is, is that you're far, far worse than you ever imagined. And the lengths by which God had to go in order to bring your relationship back to himself. And if that has any application in your life, it will be, it should be, the most painful thing you've ever done. And it should not require anything from anyone else. The Lord said to me, Go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. The sacred raisin cakes were this cake that they would make, these cakes that they would make in their worship to this Baal, this false god, this other god, this thing that they love more than God, this thing that they go to for their security, their satisfaction. Lest you think, wow, that's, that's so primitive, we do the same thing. We'll run, to, we'll run to comfort. We'll go, oh, but I just need some comfort. I, it's been a tough week. I'm so stressed. Give me another beer. We don't run to Jesus, we run to Baal, we run to a beer. For others of us, Jesus can't be trusted with our lives, so we're the ones who have to be in control. We don't run to Christ, we run to control. We fire God from his position of being the boss of our body. For others of us, God's love and affection for us is not enough. So the worst thing that can happen to us is that someone disapprove of us, so we run to approval of others, and we do it. Listen, if you're dating, you compromise your morals. You know why? Because you want his approval. You want her approval. And you want their approval more than you want God's. We all have sacred raisin cakes. We all have idols that we run to and it looks an awful lot like a wife who becomes a prostitute. I wonder if you see yourself that way. I hope you do. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley. Pause. What a weird price. Basically, if you were going to buy a a prostitute, if you are going to buy a slave or a servant, this is what happened, by the way, just to give you an idea, um, to give you a picture. So what happened is is that Gomer, Hosea's wife, the prostitute, she got used up, and her pimp just said, you know what, I've gotten as much out of this lady as I'm going to get. And so he puts her on the auction block, she's on the auction block, elevated like this, and what they do is they take her clothes off so that you could see what you're buying. She has no hope. She's reached. This is as low as you can go. This is as bad as it gets. This is strung out and pimped out, all rolled up into one. This is as bad as it gets. There's no hope for you. The only hope that you have is to die. So, she hears Eight shekels, nine shekels, ten shekels, eleven shekels. She goes, Who, who's that? Who's that voice? It sounds familiar. She goes, oh, it's Hosea. He's gonna try to bind me and exact revenge on me. Could you imagine? like being in that position, what would you think Hosea is going to do? 11 shekels. 12 shekels. 13 shekels. 14 shekels. 15 shekels, and that's my final offer. 15 shekels and a, and a homer and a lethek of barley. All right? And he purchases her. Hosea, the reason that the price is so weird is because many scholars think that Hosea had to liquidate everything he had. It wasn't money that was readily available to him. He had to borrow. He had to get money from other places. He paid with everything that he had to purchase a prostitute of a wife. Then... He goes to her. Then I told her, come here, my little pretty. I've got you now. That's what I would have done. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. He goes to her and he says, I'm going to create a forever home for you. You no longer have to run around from house to house, bed to bed, spot to spot. Live with me. I know what you've done. I want you to be with me. You don't have to tell me the secrets. I know. I've heard it from everyone. Says. You are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man. I don't want you to go back to your sin. I don't want you to go back to your old way of life. It would only further hurt me, and it would only further hurt you. Look at the damage that you did running in this way. And then he says something that you and I can't believe. And I will behave the same way towards you. In other words, think about this the damage that's been done in our family. I'm hurt. I'm wounded. I don't want you to sleep with any men, not even me. There's some healing that needs to be done, there's some damage that needs to be repaired. And so he doesn't go into it and says, now you, I'm, I'm going to take advantage of you. Now you have to do what I say. Now you're going to sleep with me every day. Now it's gonna, I'm going to take, no, no, no. Because I'm broken. You're broken. I'm broken. There's some healing that needs to happen. He literally tells her, and I will behave the same way towards you. I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to force you to a level of intimacy that you and I aren't ready for. He says, the husband who purchased a wife, who is a prostitute, who pays all that he has in order to get her, in order to have her home and speak beautifully to her, to love her. Beloved, This is the gospel. The gospel is that you and I are the harlot. You and I are the prostitute who never wants to stay home, who runs after other lovers. You and I are the ones who deny the love and look for the pleasure in other places that don't deliver. You and I are the ones who get consequences that we wish we didn't have to suffer with. You and I are the ones Then God sees us in our sinful state. And he says, listen, I'll pay. Do you see the similarities? Hosea has a spouse. So does God. Hosea's spouse is terrible to Hosea. So does God. Hosea's spouse runs away from him. So does God's. Hosea pursues his spouse despite what she wants. So does God. Hosea pays a high price. Wait, wait. Where does God pay a high price? So God sees you and I who are auctioned off to death. You and I who are determined to go to, and I mean this literally, determined to go to hell. And God comes in. And he's born in this manger. And he lives the life that you should have lived. The one that you ran away from. But he lives it for you. And then he dies the death. That you deserve, he dies it gladly for you and then he rises from the grave and he says, come I want you to live with me for many days. I don't want you to go back to your lovers. Don't be with anyone else. And I will build that intimacy between us. That's what God says. Now. We'll pause right there. How do we apply this? First thing I want you to know. If you're not married. If you have nothing to do with marriage. If you never plan on getting married. I want you to know that God, the one who wants to call you his spouse, he's running after you. He's pursuing you. Receive it. Receive his payment for your life. Secondly, if you're in a marriage and your marriage is on the rocks, then I want you to know, there's two things I want you to know. One is that God will say to you, me too. If your marriage is painful, if your husband or your wife has left you, if there's pain and suffering in the course of your marriage, I want you to hear God say, me too. And then lastly, for those of you who are being wounded and hurt, because God says me too, he intimately understands the pain that you're going through and and will give you grace and wisdom to know what to do. My prayer is that you would not pursue sin but that you would pursue your Savior. Now, we're going to continue on in this series. And I wanted to show you this picture because whatever God teaches us in His Word, it's not because God hasn't led us in his word. Now whatever pain you're going through, it's not because God hasn't gone through the same pain only a million times worse. That's number one. Number two, I don't want you to miss, listen to me, you have friends who have marriage and it's painful and it's difficult. I want you to invite them. I want you to tell them to come. I want you to help. We're dealing with tremendous topics. Um, We're dealing within friendship as a marriage. We're calling that one uh, friends with benefits. True. That's what a marriage is. We're deep friends. It's true. Not the kind of sinful stuff you're talking about in your mind. I'm talking about committed friends with benefits, right? We're going to have an entire week, an entire week where we just talk to the men. And we beat, beat them up terribly. And then, good news. We're going to have an entire week for the women. We're going to beat them up terribly. And then, we're going to talk about um, sex addiction within marriage. And how God can liberate us from that. I mean, there's so much in this series. But I'm telling you, I can't go to, tr- I can't go to a service for you. I can't share this with your friends for you. You have to do it. But here's what I want you to know. If you don't know Jesus, I want you to submit to him now. Maybe you've never seen God as a lover who's brokenhearted over his spouse. Well, you need to surrender to him. Admit to him that you're as bad as you are. And secondly, I want you to commit to coming to every week in this series. Every week in this series, don't miss... I know there's groceries, I know that there's laundry, I know that there's cooking, I know that there's all this stuff, preparing for Monday and all that other stuff. I don't want you to miss one. And then, lastly, I want you to start praying. Praying that God would give you wisdom. If you're married, I want you to pray that God would give you wisdom as to what to do with what we're hearing. And again... If your solution is to put more pressure, more pain on your spouse, then you're a demon. And God has nothing to do with your nothing to do with your plans. But if your plan is to be broken and willing to do whatever God leads, even if the one that you harmed doesn't respond, even if the one that you love, and we never, we never hear how Gomer responds. She might be one of those who just runs away from home all the time. We don't know. But that you would be surrendered like Christ and every time your heart is broken over your spouse, you just go, oh wait, God, is this how you feel? You could deepen in your affection to Jesus. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for you. And then, of course, if you're not married, your, your process through this series is to go, God, would you make me, before I find the right person, would you make me the right person? Would you turn my heart? Help me to see the mistakes that I made in my previous marriage. Help me to see the sins and help me to repent deeply. That's my prayer for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much uh, for this series. Lord, right now, Lord, we have men and women who identify all too much with what we just shared. For some, we opened up old wounds. And for them, Lord, I pray that they would run to you and be broken and remember the pain and pray and be reminded, is this the pain that you went through pursuing us? I pray that you would bring them to repentance in that way. And for others of us, Lord, who've been longing to be married, we want marriage too much. And so, Lord, help us to recognize that if we never get married physically here on earth, we have a beautiful marriage with you and that you could be the spouse that we've dreamt of. Bring healing to the singles. And, Lord, for all of us, help us to see the gospel more beautifully during this series and apply it into our lives so that you might be glorified in and through our lives. For we do pray in Jesus' name.